0: Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word.
1: Good morning. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. One more time, good morning. Good morning. Uh, when I was a pastor, I loved doing that, so it's good to be up here in control And getting you to do that with me, wow! This has just been amazing. Uh, Wonderful to worship with you this morning. Amazing to worship with the worship band here. It's just incredible, Uh, and to see Pastor Alex and Pastor Josh and how they tag team up here. I've never seen that before. But that is, that is. I'm gonna. I want to record this message. I want. I want this service to bring back home because I think we could do that. Uh, That is just amazing how they work off of each other. Uh, I am the new director. Uh, My name is Ben Porter. The new director of Fellowship International. So Fellowship International is the global missions arm of our Fellowship Baptist Church family across the country. So we send missionaries all over the world, people from churches just like this, uh, get sent to us, we coach them, we work with them, we mentor them, we help them prepare and be trained, and then we send them out. And uh, we work with them overseas as well as across our own country. So that's a little bit about what we're doing here Let me just see, I don't have a... Okay, am I on the right? Let me tell you a few things. Uh, First, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you on behalf of all of our Fellowship International family. We have about 100 missionaries around the world. We have... uh, Our recruitment is through the roof right now. For some reason, over the last couple of years, we have organizations and, and uh, other mission organizations from all over the world will call us up or email and say, how, how is your recruitment so high, especially during COVID? And uh, I love to be able to say that I have some magical formula, some amazing PowerPoint that I can show them, but really it's you, it's our churches across the country. It's you sitting here. There's the thousands of those uh, in fellowship churches just like this that are saying, that are rubbing shoulders with future missionaries, that are rubbing shoulders with people that are, might be in your small groups or in youth group or in college and career. They might be thinking, wow, I think God has given me a heart for the lost, for the unreached, to, to travel overseas and to learn a language and to use my skills and talent and education, my calling for him in a new way. And you send them to us. You may send them through to you know whoever is in leadership here with Pastor Josh or Pastor Alex and then pass them on to us. But we say thank you. Thank you so much. The task is so big uh, for reaching unreached people groups. Literally, you know, I mean, it's billions of people that need to know Jesus. But hundreds and hundreds of millions in countries that do not know, do not know the name Jesus, do not know the idea of the freedom that we just sang about this morning uh, through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they need to know, they need to know. We need to be obedient to that, we need to send people, we need to go and be intentional on that. So thank you so much for being a part of our work, our ministry, and what we're doing out of our Guelph office uh, internationally from there to the rest of the world. So thank you for sending us your people. Also, I wanna say just on that, we We have, in addition to our churches across the country, we do have uh, a bit of a strategic recruitment strategy and part of that is in the old way of at least in my mindset, the old way of doing recruitment for missions is when you go to a Christian event, there's a booth right in the hallway we've all seen that, and you uh, are begged by somebody at the booth to come over and have a there's original, right, and, and, uh, and try to see, look on the map, you know, and I got eight seconds with you, you should go to this country, you know, and then, you know, it's hit or miss after that. But what we've been doing is we incorporated, uh, acquired a, a fellowship, a, a ministry that came out of one of our fellowship churches, and it's been kind of spawning and, and multiplying across Ontario and out into the West Coast, and it'd be great to get it out in the East Coast, and that ministry is called uh, Onside Athletics and Epic Camps. So Onside and Epic, they're both summer camp ministries that one is focused on sports for elementary school, so if you're thinking like VBS, Vacation Bible School, it's that type of idea. But it's uh, And then there's EPIC, which is more the arts camp. So if you could be thinking about that, that's kind of what it is. And what this program does is it doesn't just provide uh, a camp where kids from the community can come or, or kids from your church can come, but it actually offers training that, that you train the volunteers, local families like you all, to when the camp is done, that you're following up into the community very intentionally with kind of a strategic plan, an A, B, C, D, of how to build bridges and get to know the unreached people in your own community, the non-believing families in your own community to share about Jesus. So it's not all set on, oh come to the camp and hopefully the kid gets saved by Friday and good luck, it really is kind of a year long uh, expression. So, so please check that out, that's onsideathletics.ca, but it's on the fellowship website and uh, you can check it out there, Onside and Epic. Now I do not see my slides so, okay, launch. Launch is our midterm mission program. So through Onside and Epic, uh, we do send short-term missions trips. And as you know, sometimes when uh, people, young people, get back from a short-term mission trip, they start getting hungry for what would it look like to be a part of global missions. And instead of jumping right into a, a 40-year commitment or a 30-year commitment on long-term missions, we have a program called Launch, where it's simply. Uh, Taking that person, coaching them, mentoring them, walking them through, and giving them an opportunity to go for six months, up to two years, under the guidance of one of our missionaries on the field, and in connection with mentors from their own church family, where they can have a chance, not just to see what global missions would be like, but to really seek God in those months, those years, to see what is next for their life. So it really is more about that than it is about, oh, can you be a missionary long-term? There is that pathway, but it's, it's more so about them getting away from everything and serving God and being in a foreign place and being alone with God and having those moments where you can say, God, what is next for me? Should I do a master's? Should I uh, go to the mission field? Should I become an, a pastor? What, what do you have for me in my life? You know, should I be a part of a church or should I go here or there? So it's amazing that the young people, the college and career age uh, students that come back, they come back uh, with that. They come back saying, you know what? I may, may the, the global mission opportunity may be there, but God is speaking to me about this. He spoke to me about this. So it, it's really a powerful program. So again, if there's anybody uh, in the next number of years that you're sensing that God may be speaking to them about global missions, this is a great introductory into that world. So that's our launch program. Okay, so let me see here. What is Europe and Africa? All right, so. I just got back. In March, Richard Fleming, who's the old white man here in the photo, uh, one of our former Fellowship International Directors, uh, Richard and I went to uh, Ethiopia, Congo, and Kenya. And we did that across about 15 days, and it was just a wild, fast trip. But during that time, we were catching up on projects and partners and organizations that we're looking to do uh, deeper ministry with, and our missionaries in the different fields, but in Ethiopia, this is a picture here of a young man named Jacob, and Jacob is the like the college director for the one of the bigger denominations in Ethiopia. And I said, Jacob, like how many how many students are under your in your hierarchy, in your leadership that are under uh, your supervision, your leadership. He said, well, you know, we have, you know, 10,000 here or 5,000 there. And I said, well, how many schools? And I just, I tried, like he was super humble. And I was like, what is the, like, what is the number? And it was over 200,000 uh, students that are just under Jacob in Ethiopia. And then we went down the street to another organization called the Horn of Africa Ministries, where they're implementing disciple-making movement principles, which our missionaries implement, and we were learning from them. And... Uh, And that leads to kind of the multiplication of church planting. And I said, okay, so what are the numbers? What are the results of you actually doing this and implementing this ministry, this strategy? And they said, well, over the last 15 to 20 years, we've seen over 2 million people be baptized, come to know Christ, and over 22,000 churches planted. And like, yes, we can clap about this, you know. Like it's, uh, (laughs) it's. It's astonishing. And then we were able to build partnerships with them to say, well, how can we have our missionaries trained? How can you be part of our world? And how can we be part of your world in advancing the kingdom? And if you can just... Think creatively here for a second. You're thinking Ethiopia, okay, that's a, that's a rich nation where there's millions and millions of Christians and it seems to be growing, growing, growing in a lot of passion, but then they're next door to other Muslim North African nations that, that there is no Jesus, there is no church, or if there is, it's incredibly secret or underground. And imagine catalyzing those millions of people that are so excited about the gospel and interested in mission and bringing them to an unreached country. And then you start to see, wow, this is where movements can happen. And that's really our God-sized vision with Fellowship International is how can we be a part of movements, facilitating, training, teaching, sending missionaries, but also coaching and providing and supporting projects locally around the world where we can see not just a few people come to know Christ, but we can see millions of people come to know Christ and be baptized, and those millions, not just to sit in a room, but to go out and multiply and share the gospel more and more and more and catch that fire. So I'd ask that you be praying for us as we're in this endeavor. Uh, We cannot do it without our fellowship churches, obviously across this country, uh, praying for us, supporting us, and uh, being mindful of us and encouraging us in, in our missionaries around the world. Now I mentioned... One of the training formats that we are do that we're doing is disciple-making movements, and this is the essential elements. This is when we did the research of movements like in Ethiopia, and they're in Indonesia, and they're all over the world, um, and a lot of the training is out of the U.S. and across Canada as well. And Fellowship International, I'm proud to say, is on the cutting edge in our own country at really adopting this. But when you look at all these movements, there's 10 things that come up over and over and over and over and over and over over again. When you look at the PDFs, or you interview the, the leaders, or you read the books, there's these 10 elements. And that's what we were seeing in Ethiopia. That's what we're seeing in Indonesia, again, where there's millions and millions of coming to know Jesus, and millions of these churches starting to pop up, these groups multiplying. So it is heavily... Uh, connected to, to our research and connected to these elements. This is our process. So I say all that to say if anyone here is interested or Pastor Josh, if you're interested, we do have that process on our website and it just gets you thinking a little bit differently about how to engage the community, how to get out there and be intentional uh, when the harvest is plentiful, and, uh, but the workers are few. And it's hard to say that the workers are few when we're all here, right? When we're all here every Sunday, there's a billion Christians around the world. It's hard to say that. So I think that God has something special for us in this day and age to engage in him in a deeper way, in a deeper joyful way to grow our own spiritual maturity as we're intentionally entering the community to share Jesus. One last thing I'd like to share is Ukraine and Poland. Now, Dan Schur, who's the director of FAIR, our humanitarian relief uh, agency, our, that arm of fellowship, uh, is gonna come and speak. But I wanna say thank you again for all the finances, the support, uh, the encouraging emails that, that you are a part of our fellowship, our fellowship national family, our churches across the country are a part of. I wanna say thank you on behalf of, especially on behalf of our missionary families in Poland. Uh, we know that uh, there is millions and millions, and it's still happening every day, of Ukraine refugees fleeing for their lives with their kids, uh, walking by you know, places where they used to hang out, or used to smile and laugh, and they're on fire now, or they're blown up, and the trauma, and, and fathers being torn away from daughters, and, and all of that, that's happening and they're running, but they're running into Jesus's arms in Poland, where we have the Jutras and we have the Taylors there, two families, two of our missionary families, right there on the front line, uh, making sure that they are fed, they're clothed, that they have water, uh, that they are loved and prayed for and uh, listened to. But it is heartbreaking, it is heartbreaking and it's so traumatic. So I, I just ask that you continue to be praying for our missionaries and those refugees on those front lines in Poland as well as the whole surrounding area around the whole crisis. But it is hard, not just for the people fleeing, but also the people receiving. It is just, uh, as you can imagine, any kind of trauma event like that, it takes a toll on your heart and your mind. So please continue to lift up Fellowship International and our missionaries there in Poland Is there the hands and feet of Christ right there on the front lines. And again, thank you so much for, for everything that you're doing here in your community. And on behalf of all of our global our global family, Fellowship International Missionaries, and in our national office, thank you so much for all that you do and praying for us, supporting us, and being a part of our family. I'll pass it over to Dan Schur. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks very much, Ben. Great to be with you this morning, great to... Um uh, reconnect here. Um, I had not met uh, your two pastors. Um, I, I guess Ben and I could try and do something like that. Ben's a good-looking one. He's a huggy bear. I'm the grumpy bear, so uh, got to deal with me that way this morning. Um, let me uh, advance some things here. Um, So FAIR, as you know, is the humanitarian, we're we're joined at the hip in the mission, we're the humanitarian piece, working with our missionaries, doing the projects. We exist to alleviate human suffering and social injustice in the name of Christ in areas around the globe, and uh, we're grateful for your participation uh, in that. Let me tell you about a project in the country of Madagascar, a country of 26 million people. Okay, 26 million people. And our missionaries, Dr. Jess and uh, Julie Teeson, went to Madagascar. He's a surgeon, just a great family, like just top-notch. Uh, they went uh, with a goal in mind to raise up to train surgeons who would not only know Jesus, but would be very skilled in their practice. So coming from various parts of the country, they would then be trained to go to their areas of the country to share Christ and to heal people. So um, uh, this this project went so well, we wanted to raise 145,000. God's people raised 257,000, which means more residents can be trained more chance for the gospel to go forward. So we say, thank you, praise the Lord uh, so much for that. Um, Let me just comment, as Ben was talking about the Ukraine crisis, uh, our missionaries are doing hero's work there. Driving to the border, Zamos region, filling vans, filling cars, driving people to a safe haven, driving them to a network of churches that are being set up just like this one into a shelter, beds, tables for food, water, diapers, you name it, they're doing it. And uh, God's people, again, have been so generous. Can you get this? $1.3 million has been raised in a matter of a couple of months. Yeah, that's like we've never done that before. God's been so good. (laughs) Celebrate that, folks. We are doing something crazy. For the summer months, we're continuing this campaign, and we're asking God's people, can you give a little bit more? We're trying to raise $750,000 because the money is all going now directly uh, to the need there. Uh, Every day, Ben Taylor um, is uh, driving two shipments, two van loads of food just across the border into Ukraine uh, to get supplies to the network of churches that they're working with. So we're burning through money. We need, uh, we need the resources, but the gospel is being shared, and uh, we're grateful for that. Uh, situation for sure let me keep going here we will not make it around the world we're grateful for the child sponsorship program that you folks know so much about we have a new site uh, coming on stream in the Dominican Republic migrant families uh, that uh, from uh, Haiti the Haitian children are being cared for in an organization called joy foundation great name and uh, so um, we're, we're very excited about the Child Sponsorship Program. Now, I want to tell you and take some time to uh, talk about uh, Casa Ogar, because I know you have invested there. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for making a difference in the lives of these uh, children and young people. I actually met with Curtis, uh, with Alex, and with... Uh, What's his name? Big Mama? mama. Big Mama. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Yesterday, uh, to talk about the ministry there, as you know, Melody Francis, who's been here, um, and her team care for some 31 children and, and teens. And here's, here's the reality. Here's what's happened. This past year, we launched a project uh, to our churches to say, would you help us uh, so that we can expand the facility that's there? There's, there's one main building. We want to make another building so that the teens can have a place where they, uh, it, it, it's, it's separate to them. Uh, They do all of their stuff together with the little ones, and and so you can understand some of the dynamic. The reality is that when the Ukraine crisis hit, people gave, gave sacrificially, but this project has sort of stalled. So we are at about $75,000, which is about halfway, and we're needing to get that money raised uh, to help um, uh, just with the expansion that we want to see happen there. Let me tell you about uh, Rick and Ina Ward. You know them as great, great couple that are serving there in the home. Ina led a Discovery Bible study in Spanish with some of the older girls during the winter months. Three new children have moved into Casa Ogar, and uh, one has moved out to uh, live with his grandparents. So that's a good thing. We celebrate that. The Spanish school kids are now at school every day, which is, wow, isn't that great? Isn't it great that kids can be in school again and not be uh, just behind computers, wow. And the bilingual school kids are just completing another uh, semester online. So that's a little bit uh, about uh, the Ministry of Fair, thank you. Just continue to support your church with Casa Ogar. We will support you, your efforts as you you go there, as you do projects, all of that. It's the greatest thing in the world. In the moments that we have, not much, I want to talk to you about humanitarian gospel work. When I was uh, saved, it wasn't really until my, my teen years, 16 years of age, the Lord really got a hold of my life. And I wanted my life to count for him. It was as though the spirit of God was saying to me, I've given you so much, what are you giving to me? I was pretty focused on myself. Had a job, had a car, just thought I had I was raised in a smaller place than Great Village. There was one church. There was a general store. Well, oh, there's maybe a community hall. So believe me, if, if you had a job and you had a car, man, you just thought you had the world by the tail. <laughs> I was playing baseball. It was great. Love baseball. But uh, something happened. I got hit in the eye with a baseball, And it collapsed my eyeball. And so, during two weeks in hospital with bandages over both eyes, um, the Lord just really grabbed hold of me. And so I said, okay, I'll go to Bible school for one year. (laughs) Ended up being two years. Ended up being three years. Ended up being four years. And long story short, I've pastored for 30-some years. And now... I'm involved in the work of, uh, of fair. But uh, often, uh, it's this verse in Micah 6, 8 that, uh, that, that we realize well, we really know what to do. Uh, he's shown you, old man, what is right and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Um, I I want you, uh, when you have time today, to open John chapter 12 and read verses 1 to 8. John 12, 1 to 8, it's a great passage. It's the whole thing where Mary anoints Jesus' feet with expensive perfume, and uh, Judas is there and he objects to this. And so six days before he's to be betrayed and brutally beaten, Jesus and his disciples stop in this little town called Bethany. Now, Bethany was where Lazarus and his sisters lived. Now, if you go back a chapter, something pretty significant happened in Lazarus' life. Do you know what happened in chapter 11? Well, that doesn't happen every day. Guy's dead. Jesus raised him to life. That's my Jesus. Wow. He resurrects life. He brings new life. And so they said, Jesus is here. Let's have a party. Let's have a meal. The best ever. Can you imagine? Oh, I would have loved to have been there. Truth be told, I would have love to be able to stay for your lunch today, but we can't. <laughs> we got to go to the airport. It would have been a great meal. And during this meal, Mary takes this pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard, and she anoints Jesus' feet. She pours this most valuable earthly possession to honor Jesus in a beautiful act of worship she acted in worship by doing this now judas has a serious problem with this and uh, you you can just tell there's tension in the room he's annoyed finally he blurts it out he says the ointment woman this says like a year's wages that you've wasted Well, he's right on one level. You could do a lot of good with that kind of money. But what bothers me here is, it's not Judas being practical. It's what comes next. He says, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, He used to help himself to what was put into it. So Judas was sort of putting on this mask of being holy. Yet his motives were terrible. He was so sinful. He didn't love the poor. He loved the money. He used this piety thing to line his own pockets and his own agenda. So there's a a reminder here for us that not everyone who appears to have faith really possesses it. And I don't know if you're here this morning and you are here because your parents believe, but you've got to own it. It's got to be yours. I mean, would you think of going into your parents' bathroom and using their toothbrush? don't think so you've got your own you've got to own your faith it's got to be real to you that jesus found you jesus saved you and you're going to live for him Uh, jc ryle a, a commentator from the past said a cold heart and a stingy heart Generally go together. But it's, it's this whole thing here, folks, this morning, where Jesus drops one of these puzzling statements. A little book was written on the difficult sayings of Jesus. I'm sure this was one of them. It's found here in verse 8. It puzzles people to this day. He said, for the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Uh, Some people say, well, you know, the poor you always have with you is a fatalistic type of approach. Uh, Some people, you know, they're going to always be poor. That's just the way they are, so why should I do anything about it? And that's the attitude that we can have. But maybe the problem comes when we have a misunderstanding of what Jesus is expecting us to do. And so in telling us for a fact, the poor will always be with us, perhaps Jesus is trying to set our expectations in caring for the poor. Maybe his whole point is at least that we might stay focused on doing good where we can. And just in the time that I have remaining, let me tell you a little story that comes from a Bible uh, commentator, R.C. Sproul. He tells the story of of a minister who labored for decades in the inner city of Cleveland, Ohio, serving the poor, you know, being with the addicts, helping those in the margins, And this minister had one associate pastor after another, and they'd come out of seminary so excited they never lasted for more than a year or two. And so Sproul was curious, and he said, why don't they last? The minister said, disillusionment. And so they came out of seminary to this ghetto. They wanted to labor for Christ where people were hurting, but soon... They were so depressed. And so I asked him, well, why have you been able to stay all this time? He said, because of the words of Jesus, the poor you always have with you. Sproul said, well, every time I've heard that or anyone quoted, it's always been an excuse to ignore the poor. He said, well, I understand Jesus to say that I'll never be able to eliminate poverty. Therefore, when I came here, I had no expectation I was going to solve it all. Never get rid of all the problems, all of the drug traffic. For every person that got free from their drug addiction, five more would move in. So my mission isn't to get rid of the poor or, or all of these problems. My mission is to minister to people who are suffering from these things while they're here and while I'm here. You know, if we could just get this into our brain, there's always gonna be people in need around us, always. We're never gonna be able to eliminate it But if I'm going to live for Christ, then I'm going to do what he calls me to do to do my little part to help in that, just as your church is doing that, just as your church is hugging little kids in Honduras, just as your church is giving to make their life different. Is it going to wipe out all the problems in Honduras, the gangs, the drugs? No. But you're going to make a difference doing what Jesus has called you to do. Let me uh, leave you with some takeaways here this morning. Jesus does us a great service, freeing in at least three ways that we can serve the poor with a biblical attitude. Jesus' words free us from the bondage to guilt over the continued existence of poverty. Isn't that good? Like, We just wanna shut our eyes to it. Wanna turn our heads away from it. We don't want it to be there. But Jesus is saying it's gonna be there. But here's what I'm calling you to do. Here's another one. Jesus' words free us to love the poor unconditionally. You know, when we have humanistic goals like trying to eliminate poverty You know, make everything perfect. Um, Things get sort of focused on a person. And here's what I'm here to say this morning. The only person that people should be focused upon is Jesus. Because he's the one that can change everything. When we're all about changing it and making it all right, people get sort of focused on us and think, Oh, it's your wealth, it's, it's your knowledge, it's your skill that can make all the difference. No, it's the gospel that makes all the difference. And here's the third one. Jesus' words free us to worship him joyfully through our care for the poor. You know, there were two aromas in that home in Bethany. Bethany. There was the aroma of that perfume. Read the text today. It says it filled the house. But I'm telling you, there was another stinking smell, that selfish heart of Judas that was also there. What fragrance are you giving out as you live for Jesus? Is it the fragrance in an act of worship that says, Jesus, I love you, I know I can't change everything, but this is what you're calling me to do. Would you do that? I know I've gotta end, I could keep talking and talking and talking, and I just want you to know that Jesus in me worshiped with the Jesus in you today, and I would love to be able to do that a lot with you here. It's, you've got a great church. Let me pray with you. And then Pastor Josh is going to come. God, it might be this morning that you're uh, nudging somebody just to be more generous. God, it might be that you're nudging someone this morning to, uh, to that place in their heart of hearts where they're saying, you know, I... I sort of been living off my parents or my my friend. I, I need to own my faith. Might be this morning that you come to the realization that God is just really calling you to this one specific person or thing in an act of worship that you can do to help someone in the fringes. would you respond appropriately today as the Spirit of God speaks to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Uh, You probably don't know this, but um, first of all, don't we appreciate their passion, their excitement and enthusiasm for missions? So awesome. And this was their fifth conference this weekend in the course of two weeks. So yeah, that energy and passion, yeah, it's it's all the more appreciated. So guys, thank you so much for making time for us, for being here, for sharing. Aren't you glad that we're part of the fellowship? That when you give, when you serve, when you engage, when you're part of an active church like this church, you're part of a greater body of churches called the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches across Canada, that Our offerings don't just go to the facility or to pay your pastors or to the programs and the events that we get to run, but it also goes to places like Madagascar, where missionary surgeons are there training surgeons to care for the 26 million people who only have 100 surgeons for the whole country. And when we give and when we serve and when we engage in community and conversation about what the fellowship is doing, we're connecting with missionaries in Poland who are receiving refugees right now, today, trucks and vans. And uh, we watched a little video at the conference this past weekend. They showed an image of a church and it was just like beds, mattresses, and there were all these kids. And you're a part of that. Casa Hogar, the flooding in Abbotsford. To be able to say that we have fellowship pastors on the ground whose churches are helping out all these victims of flooding who no longer have a home to go back to and all the rebuilding that's going to have to happen in that area in BC. And we get to be a part of that. I don't know about you, but so many times I watch the news and I look at what's happening in the community and, oh, like, what can we really do about that? But when we give and when we support and when we're part of these appeals that we've talked about today, we get to be the hands and feet of Jesus in such a practical, beautiful way. I, I don't know about you, church family, but I just sense that God is calling us to a, a revival of missions Maybe he's, he's getting our focus back to where it needs to be on mission in this season. As we get into the Say Yes campaign, as we talk about reengaging in church, as we talk about what do we want to be doing? Who do we want to be as a church in this season? As people come back from COVID, as society gets back to whatever the new normal looks like, what do we want to be as a church? I feel like God is calling us to missions, to be on mission, to be all about the gospel, all about our communities. This community supper that's happening down at the Legion this Wednesday. The opportunities that we have with Schools Plus. I don't know if you know, but we just started the backpack program down here at Great Village Elementary as well as DeBert Elementary. So we're we're getting all these opportunities to get into the community. So let's be all about the gospel and all about the people in our community who are hurting. And Jesus changes everything. That's my Jesus, I love that part. There will always be people hurting around us, and the answer will always be Jesus. Did you like that verse, Micah 6, 8? We we know that verse well. As soon as you mentioned it, I could see people in our church family going, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Because we did, what, 10, 12 weeks on that verse uh, this past fall, all about justice, mercy. Praise God. Can we pray for these guys? I don't know, we don't make a habit of doing this, but we're going to do a prayer series this summer, talk all about prayer. The Bible talks about laying hands in prayer, and uh, we're not going to lay hands on you this morning. We're still kind of coming out of this pandemic thing. But if you would, if you're comfortable, would you just extend your hands toward Ben and Dan, these men of God who serve in the fellowship, all of these ministries that they've talked about, their hands are directly involved in these things. So would, I'm going to pray. Would you just extend your hands as we extend this blessing, as we ask for God's care, God's direction, God's vision over them? So let's extend a hand and let's pray together, church family. God, we pray for Ben Porter. We pray for Dan Schur. We pray for Fellowship International. Pray for Fellowship Aid and International Relief. God, we pray that as these men work tirelessly and travel around the world and meet with all these pastors and missionaries and people who are on the front lines in some of the darkest places on earth. God, that as we get to be a part of that, as we give to these relief appeals, as we give to missions, as we continue to support and give our heart to Casa Hogar, God, would you, would you just reinvigorate us and revive a spirit for missions, for the gospel within us, Father, God, be with Dan, be with Ben as they travel home, as they are with their families, as they get some rest and recuperation after this long two weeks. Would you bless them? Would you encourage them? God, would you give them a vision that is bigger than themselves? God, would you raise up more and more fellowship churches, some 500 plus churches across our country, that would continue to strengthen these missions, these humanitarian relief efforts. God, we thank you for what we've heard today. And God, as, as we extend hands, would you, would you bless these men? Would the Holy Spirit be empowering and working and, and driving vision in and through them? Thank you for the churches they get to minister to, the pastors they get to support, the ministries and missionaries. God, we thank you for the fellowship today. God, we praise you for these things. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins, that whosoever would believe should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the message we preach. Thank you for that good news, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.